Hey, everybody. This is the Freakopolis Times, our podcast, mostly about stuff related to our comics and game shop, the Freakopolis Geekery. We're Ian, Tyler, and Troy, and we run the shop and host this podcast. Join us and some occasional guests as we talk comics, games, pop culture, and just about anything else that pops up. Remember, while some of our topics can get a little geeky, they change up often, so hang in there and maybe the next one will be more your style. By the way, this podcast is video enhanced on YouTube and Spotify. Check it out if you're feeling left out on the visuals. You never know what might show up. Now, let's do the show. Here we are, episode one. Live with episode one, live recording it. Yeah. Dang. It's been a long time coming. Yeah, it has. <laughs> it's good to finally be in the hot seat. I guess so. What? We, we've been holding back on a podcast for five and a half, almost six years, um, knowing that we should probably do a podcast, and now we're finally doing it, and this is episode one. I think, uh, yeah, we got the letter in the mail. It said, hey, dingbats, every store needs a podcast. And so, here we are. We got the green light. We did. We had to submit the application. Mm -hmm. Went through a thorough vetting process. And finally, here we are with episode one. (laughs) Yeah, went through a vetting process. Found the three people we wanted to have do this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. It was a a difficult selection. (laughs) (laughs) Really. Really. I remember the interview. I was sweating the whole time. Oh, my gosh. Mine went horribly. Did it? Oh, yeah. How'd you end up here? <laughs> Skin of my teeth. Not by merit, no. apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're going to uh, pry into the depths of our hearts and souls here and uh, tear ourselves open wow. for our worthy listeners, our many varied Viewpointed. I did not sign up for that. <laughs> it was in the interview. I did not sign up for that. Okay, there was an interview. Uh, yeah, okay. So, right, so where are you going with this? All right, allow me to psychologically torment you then yeah. uh, with some quick questions that I think will give people some insight into who we, the runners of Freakopolis, are. Okay. Uh, so let's kick it off with like an easy one. Uh, we're big fans of tabletop RPGs. We love Dungeons & Dragons, of course. We make it widely known. But that's not the only system that we've enjoyed or checked out. Uh, what RPG systems are our favorites? Oof. Yeah, there's a lot to uh, go on about in the world of RPGs. The wide, wide world of it all. And that includes <laughs> Savage Worlds. Oh yeah, Savage Worlds. Been around for a long time and is always a... a great go-to whenever you're playing something that isn't fantasy. Yes. Uh, it mm-hmm. just it fits in really well there. Except maybe superheroes. I still question whether or not it's the a perfect system for superheroes. You but. pine for the days of champions weekly yeah. to meet. That's, <laughs> that's true. Oh yeah, Hero Games Champions is still to me a, like... A great example of a superhero RPG that really worked and understood superheroes, and you could do sort of true, sort of spandex, four color heroes. I think that Savage World's hero adaptation, their their guidebook, is 
suitable, though it requires a little bit of interpretation on some of the specific rules. And that's just because superheroes are so hard to nail down. Yeah, and even as a player, even once you get a game of soups going, it's it's a lot to have to pull off. You know what really breaks the whole thing? Speedsters. <laughs> it always comes down to those dang speedsters. It does. Uh, well, I mean, in some systems it does, and some systems are, are designed to work with it. That's one of the things that we felt um, Hero Games champions handled really well. It yeah. Handled, it handled speedsters well. So that was one of the things where we said, hey, this 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 kind of works. You know, we can we can use this. How exactly did that work? Um, well, basically... Time was broken, uh, you know, a round of combat was broken down into 12 segments and everybody acted in some of those 12 segments. If, if you had a, a speed of three, then you acted on segments four, eight, and 12. Mm -hmm. um, you would have to have a speed of 12 in order to act in segment one. Right. Um, everything, everything skipped segment one um, and started uh, at two at the earliest. Unless you had a speed of 12. So that does pretty well represent a speedster's power, because they can take a ton of actions in a single round. Right, so they'd have 12 full actions, plus plus then on top of that they could have movement um, benefits. Right. So uh, you, could, you could pull off a speedster pretty well in that game. But in Savage Worlds, and in a lot of tabletop RPGs, the action economy is a big part of it. Only being able to make one move, one attack, one bonus action, that kind of stuff. And being able to add even one more of those abilities is a huge change to the character. Like doubles your damage potential, yeah. doubles your healing potential, doubles all that. Yeah, I mean, we've seen characters that were built on the speedster kind of concept in Champions that really didn't do much more than you know, sort of regular fist damage, <laughs> but could do it so frequently that they could pound people down. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, the balancer, know. of course, yeah. right. So it really felt kind of like the Flash or something like that. Yeah, yeah, whereas in Savage Worlds has an action economy of what, Tyler? You, you play quite a bit. Uh, you've got actions and free actions and movement. Right, so being able to stretch that out and provide a speedster a bunch of extra actions can quickly get out of hand. Oh yeah, easily. I mean, you, you become like four characters in one when you're able to do four characters' actions, you know? <laughs> Maybe in a future episode we'll talk about uh, the new Marvel that's what um, I was superhero uh, playtest book that's yeah. out. But we'll, we'll hold that back so that we can uh, talk about some more things in this episode. But um, I've flipped through it once or twice, and uh, it looks promising. Yeah. But it will be interesting to see how it tackles those suits challenges. You know what Savage Worlds is really fantastic for, though, of course? Their, their taglines are fast, furious, fun. And mm -hmm. so that lends towards comic booky, pulpy sorts of settings. And Tyler, you run a Deadland setting... Uh, that has been long going, and you put a lot of effort into that week by week. How do you think Savage Worlds handles Deadlands? I think it's... I mean, originally, I think Savage Worlds derived from Deadlands. I believe so, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, that's the case for Pinnacle. So yeah. it would be a little sacrilegious to say if it didn't do it justice. <laughs> and I, I think it does. The whole fear mechanics that Savage Worlds brings along. Yeah. Uh, all the edges are super cool and lend themselves to Deadlands a lot. Uh... 
they fought a den of werewolves in my last right, session. exactly, yeah. Uh, and that pulpy sort of, yeah, fast, furious, fun really lends itself to Savage Worlds. It does. Deadlands. It, it pulls it off. The action cards and stuff are the coolest aspect, in my opinion, uh, allowing the players to put their hand into the narrative out of nowhere and make a huge difference in the scene. And Savage Worlds isn't the only tabletop role-playing system that kind of lends into that aspect. Dad, you've read through Fate about 50 times, uh, <laughs> though you have never actually run or played Fate. <laughs> right, sure. Uh, well, I think you... I mean, that's another one where it kind of bends the genre of role-playing. It has a different intent in how you play it and how you sort of... Uh, operate your character in the world it's very language based it's, yeah it's very description based it's really it's it's probably the one that is designed the most for cooperative storytelling it's yeah really, and that's strictly its aim is is it building a cooperative story the dice rolls are nowhere near as important as the adjectives used mm-hmm. exactly. to describe them. So, yeah, it, it's just it's so far outside the norms of what I know for playing role playing games that I haven't quite found the right game or campaign to to use it based on that. Sure, and like the uh, powered by the apocalypse apocalypse system mm-hmm. is also rather similar in that it's very narratively focused and the dice are used rather sparingly. And I suppose. When it comes to tabletop RPGs, you have this spectrum, right? You have, on one end, the mechanically heavy, crunchy systems, which, honestly, though D&D 5e is rather light uh, and easy to understand in some regards, it is vastly focused in on combat uh, (laughs) and combat effects, and so it can get kind of crunchy. And I think it leans more towards the mechanical aspect, though there's all sorts of narrative potential if your DM is putting in the effort, for sure. Of course. I do agree it's on that side of the spectrum, though, for sure. Where Savage Worlds might sit a bit in the middle where things can kind of happen out of nowhere, and as you lean more towards the narratively strong end of the tabletop RPG spectrum and depart from the mechanical spectrum, uh... You start giving more power to the players to impact the story. Uh, And that's the adventure cards or aspects and fate, that kind of stuff. And I think that those systems can be super fun with the right group. (laughs) Absolutely, and it definitely takes some getting used to. I think the group I've been uh, running Deadlands for on Tuesday nights is a lot more confident in their abilities to play adventure cards and use bennies in ways that influence the story. and sort of let them bring their voice to what I have to do. Which definitely means an extra layer of... Improv. Improv, yeah. Which, yeah. which can be difficult to pull off online. Because you really have to have stuff ready. Some some plans <laughs> that might not even see the light of day There's for the only, players. But only so many maps you can make in one week. <laughs> exactly. So you, you never really know. But uh, I'm glad you brought up Powered by the Apocalypse. Yeah. Uh, Because I do enjoy their sort of flexible game system. I think the strongest part of that system is the way they handle experience points. Where essentially, your character has a checklist of things that they should try and do throughout a session in order to fulfill their narrative destiny. Uh, Like if you're playing a rogue... Uh, in some Powered by the Apocalypse, it's a very uh, diverse system. But if you're playing a rogue, it might say like... 
did you drag your party into mischief this session? Then get an experience point, you know? <laughs> that, that causes you to approach things from a, a more narratively strong angle mm-hmm. instead of just... Well, I need 700 gold to buy a plus one suit of chainmail, which will increase my AC by this much, so we should definitely hunt down those goblins, right, guys? You know, uh, it's, a, it's a different experience, and I, I think that they all have their strengths and weaknesses, but I just love talking about them, so... They're awesome! Yeah. <laughs> Next up on my list of quick questions is, uh, let's go into the realm of comic books. Because, of course, Freakopolis is not only a game store, we are proud to be a comic book store as well. It's, uh, a realm that is filled with all manner of awesome ideas and stories that's important to us. But the king of comics is Marvel. And I wanted to know, what does Marvel mean to us? What's our history with the franchise and our thoughts about its future. And Dad, I mean, <laughs> you have about three times as much years experience with Marvel than we do, so what what does Marvel look like to you? What do you remember it as? Um, well, I mean, I think Marvel has always been the, the comic company that publishes sort of the most polished and cohesive universe of comic, you know, of uh, superheroes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of always been that way. I remember even, I think I started reading comics when I was around 15. Um, and uh, Marvel always stood out from the, of the racks at the comic shops as being the one that, you know, sort of understood the entire uh, realm of its own universe. And you would see characters crossing over between titles and all of that. So... Um, you know, I guess even in comparison to the, to today, it's still doing that same thing. It is, yeah, yeah. It really, it sort of shares its its intellectual property really well with itself. Do you remember the uh, first comic shop you went to? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, they aren't all cool places. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, it was fine. Sure. <laughs> They had a selection of comic books. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't remember ever having any kind of a relationship with them or anything like that. Uh, I didn't know the, the, the people keeping the shop or uh, any of that. It was, you know, sort of go in, get your comics, get out. Sure. However, Marvel for Tyler and I, we've, we've talked it over, <laughs> and it's a bit different. It, really, our introduction to Marvel was Iron Man, uh, mm-hmm. the movie. In, in 2007, I think? I believe so, yeah. So I was like uh, 11 years old. <laughs> I was six. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, it was amazing. You're right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that movie, Iron Man 1, still holds up well today. The way that it f- brought this whole new world into our minds, and we were familiar, we knew about the Mighty Thor, we knew about the oh, X-Men, yeah. there was the uh, X-Men 80s cartoon was still doing reruns when I was a kid, you know. Uh, I, I was familiar with these characters in a big way, but Iron Man made it seem like now these characters are like a pantheon, you know? Mm-hmm. Here we have our gods, and they are awesome. And Robert Downey Jr.'s spear-fronting it. Yeah, Kicking yeah. it all off, and... Such a charismatic role that he managed to pull off there, like nothing else. I don't know, it's it's still kind of unmatched. For real. But, after that, you know, you start to think, 
<laughs> well, all these stories got to come from somewhere, right? And the intro, of course, with all the flipping comic books should lead you to know that uh, the place to find the origin of all these movies and these ongoing series and stuff today is uh, from books that came out about, you know, 40, 50 years ago. <laughs> uh, and that's a crazy revelation if you were only really familiar with the MCU. Because you can kind of predict the future now. Thor Love and Thunder is uh, taking from series that came out while we were open as a comic book store. We sold those issues of Thor. Mm-hmm. Now that's being adapted into a movie. And that's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's definitely cool to think about how things have progressed. Uh, I'm super excited to see where they go next. The future of it is ripe with opportunity with Doctor Strange and uh, all the rest of the Avengers still... Going strong. True enough, but I don't know if anything will ever culminate into such the event that Endgame was. I don't know if you can build that kind of momentum again. Disney Plus has a bunch of great miniseries and stuff, but to have, what, 23 movies culminate into a single event is unheard of, and I don't think it can be recaptured. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you got you got to collect up all of those um, celebrities, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and, and many of them are aging out of their roles. Uh, you know, so like uh, you know, you'd have to get new, an entire new batch of uh, uh, celebrities. Superheroes, or, yeah, yeah. yeah that you're going to use that, and, and let, maybe they'll just start making them with AI. And, yeah, uh, exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, they'll, true they'll, enough. They'll all be. Uh, uh, computer-generated characters and mm-hmm. AI stories. <laughs> <laughs> Thor loses hammer to Kraken. <laughs> right, that sort of thing. <laughs> Summoned by Scarlet Witch. <laughs> this is a noun roller, essentially. <laughs> yeah, you know, it could very well happen. I think that it's a more in-question future now because it would be really hard to string together such a big phase three or whatever they want to do. Phase four. Uh, I don't even remember where we're at at the moment. Even though all the productions are still quality, feels like a more disjointed experience now. And so I'm I'm glad for the comic books because there's the future, the strength of it all can be found right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about The Boys season three, huh? God! Oh my oh goodness! My God! Oh! Yeah, so the boys season three is out now. We decided, I think there's three episodes available right now uh, on Amazon. Uh, we watched the first episode from season three last night. Oh my God! I mean, just so crazy, so grit, gritty, so. Garth Ennis. Yes. Uh, 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 it, it is, it's what a, what a remarkable view on superheroes they've got going on. That's, yeah, I mean, that's the big strength is this is a new take for sure on superheroes, but the, the violence, the gore of it, and some of the, oh, cringiest situations yeah, yeah. that yeah. make you just shrink back into your seat, like, Oh yeah. no! Yeah. Oh, please, please don't. Yeah, I think there are moments we all had our eyes covered, yeah. <laughs> which doesn't happen. No, it speaks <laughs> to how far they're willing to go for sure. But I think there is a narrative strength behind this story. Yeah, well, well, you know, there's certainly an argument 
I guess in their world, that's the elite, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the superheroes are the elite. And with the elite being overly self-indulgent. Mm -hmm. um, and you see a lot of that in there. And, I, you know, it's, it's clearly meant to be reflective of the elite in our world. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's all know, a metaphor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the, you know, bizarre, crazy self-indulgence. The stuff we can't even imagine. Mm -hmm. All the um, stuff that gets covered up. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah mm -hmm. absolutely. They're, they're tapping into that for sure. But their presentation of it, uh, those guys come up with some original scenarios to make their audience absolutely... Shudder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, unable to handle what they're looking at. It's... It's wild. I don't think any other show has pushed visual aspects of cringiness <laughs> to the <laughs> forefront. Yeah, yeah. And I think it was after such a break from yeah. season two to season three, I think we got soft. Yeah, yeah. We, we kind of forgot what The Boys was all about and to bring it back... In such a fashion with episode one of season three. They punch you right in the face with it, for sure. You know what's funny, though? Volume one of that book, not very good. <laughs> no, I, I, I flipped through it because I watched The Boys and wasn't... I liked that, the TV show more. The art know? style, not killing it. The, uh, the narrative, too. I mean, some of the dialogue and stuff throughout the first volume is really not the best, but... It does, of course, lead into a story that's very much so worth reading. Maybe just pick it up at Volume 2. <laughs> Get yourself a recap. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I think Volume 1, it, it, it sets up the details. It, it does. It's just rough it, around the edges. Yeah, it, Same yeah. with, like, Invincible. Mm -hmm. There's just some, you know, the first six issues, they didn't have the right artists. They didn't quite have themselves rolling with the narrative and whatnot. But once it does start going, of course, it's the inspiration for some of the biggest stuff out there right now. But, yeah, it can be... <laughs> can be funny to see that there's the seldom adaptation that actually manages to kick things off right, even when they have a rocky get-go to base it off of. And, of course, we have The Boys Volume 1. We do! <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. If you want to get in on that cringiness, then feel free to grab a Volume 1, I believe it's Herogasm, <laughs> from the shop. Order that right up if you, if you feel like it. No, not to talk down about it. It's, well, it's a good book, for sure. But, but it's, you know, uh, we, were, we were talking earlier, um, Homelander, the, the, the actor that plays Homelander, he does such oh an amazing God. job yeah. of mm -hmm. just being disturbingly psychopathic, yeah. and menacing, um, unhinged. And, and yet when he smiles at the camera, when he has to turn on the smile, he looks so charming. You can see where, like, oh, the photographers are getting a nice picture of the great hero that a Homelander is. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. But you, behind those eyes, boy, he is... Uh, He's something. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, that might be one of the, the greatest aspects of the show is how they sell the superheroes in that universe as being portrayed as heroes in the way that we would approach, like the Avengers, if they were real, you know? Mm -hmm. Like the kids have birthday uh, cakes with Homelander on them and stuff, giving the thumbs up and saying happy birthday, but you know the truth behind it all, that these are mm -hmm. monsters and villains to say the least, yeah. And that's why after a year being straight edge, 
the boys just can't let it go. No, right? <laughs> yeah, they're back at it. In style. They, yeah, they can't uh, keep that on their consciousness. So <laughs> they're going to start taking care of business. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to see where season three goes. Uh, uh, yeah, the first episode was crazy. Yep. Uh, we won't do spoilers just yet. We'll get let people have time to... To watch on this, but yeah, it's uh, it fall, it picks right up from where it left off. <laughs> Carl Urban too, holy moly, oh, yeah, he matches Homeland. He does, yeah. Butcher's so a pretty well. awesome character, and uh, Carl Urban manages to sell that role pretty great. Okay, guys, so in a week of huge releases that we had around yeah. the shop yeah that we've we've talked about before and we, we talk about in our live stream but what did you what did you guys see in the shop this week what was the coolest thing you saw in the shop whether it was a pull a set uh uh you know some, something a, a guest or a customer opened um you know what, what, there was so much this week exactly I, yeah. I think that is a tough question I to mean, answer tyler you actually played in the Disney Plus draft to kick off the release of the new Disney Plus Heroclix set. Mm -hmm. And there were some wild pieces pulled in that draft. It was literally hundreds of dollars in clicks yeah. on the table. Yeah, we opened one brick, not even a full brick in that one. And uh, uh, easily yeah. $250 in Heroclix oh, hitting the table. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. uh, but I mean, it, just in monetary value alone, that's pretty awesome. But the, the sculpts of them, too were really fantastic. There was a uh, killer Iron Man. Sakarian Iron Man. Yeah. Yeah. Which had all these tubes going in and out of his back and just, yeah, the sculpt of it, the huge Iron Man body that it had. It also had a distinct base being mm -hmm. a chase piece. It had a uh, light blue, almost translucent base, a really cool effect going on there. Uh, and then there was... So we thought that that was the big pull because... It had a limited edition stamp on it, of course, a copper stamp for rarity, but then there was also a vision, right? Yes, there was an absolutely insane vision that was pulled. I think it was 300, 200, or 100 points. Wow! And, uh, I think, what, 130 bucks or something was yeah, what it was yeah. going for, and of course, what if only just came out, so who knows... How those numbers will change. For sure. sure. That thing was uh, a super rare prime as far as rarity yes. is concerned. So immediately yeah. hitting the board were some of the highest tier rarity hero clicks <laughs> there are out there. Some of the highest we've ever seen pulled. Yeah. Uh, but you went up against that vision. I did, and I would not want to again. What did it have to throw down with? Uh, all its abilities were insane, and of course he was playing it at its highest click value, <laughs> which meant it had... Literally 11 out of the 12 clicks wow. to work with. <laughs> and each of its abilities were crazy. I think it was incredibly evasive. Right? Yeah, it had phasing teleport, and after you use it, you'd get a flurry for free. Oh. So you make two attacks. So right mega after. charge, yeah. <laughs> and a shape change. So before you can even hit him, he rolls a d6 on a 5 or 6, he ignores the attack. And heals a click. <laughs> so it was just... Taking that thing down would be nigh impossible. It was yeah. all I could do to slow it down till the time ran out and hope I had more points on the board. For real. So that draft was quite the event and seeing some of those pulls was particularly awesome. But then moving towards our pre-release event for Baldur's Gate on Friday, Bal uh, Battle for Baldur's Gate, the new Magic the Gathering Commander specific release, 
That was probably the funnest Magic the Gathering event we've had in a while. That was really awesome. And there were some crazy pulls in there, too. I mean, some, some of the pulls that you would definitely want to get, like that... Uh, that Minsk and Boo uh, promo card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, One of our uh, good customers got that as a promo stamped, you know, the mm-hmm. 2022 uh, pre-release Magic promo stamped. So that's what he got in his pre-release pack, which, I mean, who isn't a fan of Minsk and Boo? Yeah, exactly. They're kind of, they're, they're sort of the cover figures for the whole set. No, so They're the uh, ones who get their comic books and stuff, too, yeah, you know. So, you know, it's perfect for that, and... Uh, uh, that pull was ideal. It's but, just, just what you would want to get. Yeah, oh, totally. And the ancient dragons, of course. You got a full art ancient gold dragon. Yeah, and, and that was in, I think, my first pack that I opened. Uh, so uh, that sort uh, of solidified uh, what sort of deck I was going to make. <laughs> yeah, that is too cool. But also, inside of this set, I think it really shook up the format in a huge way because there is the backgrounds now. Yes. Which are going to unlock so many different builds for Commander, because now, digging into Baldur's Gate, there's a ton of legendary creatures worthy to be your Commander's applicable choices, but some of them have choose a background, and if they have that ability, then you can take one of the legendary background enchantments of any color and stick that in your Command Zone as well, which means that you might have a... Golgari green-black elf commander that has choose your background and you're going to make it in uh, a Sword Coast Sailor. Uh, so now your <laughs> commander is a Sword Coast Sailor and you can throw blue cards into your deck as well because it's part of your deck's color identity. Which is huge. It is. I think that's awesome. I think that was one of the coolest ways because Wizards has been a little hands-off about commander. Sure, they've made some cards that are good for commander, but this set was for Commander. Oh, yeah. And that's awesome, I think. <laughs> and that works well for our shop because it, it seems like, for the most part, our shop has kind of uh, turned toward Commander as the favored way to play Magic the Gathering. It is mm-hmm. it is the favored format, for sure. And I think that's for good reason. Uh, standard can be fun, mm-hmm. but it is definitely a battle of moolah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's competitive, and it lends itself to having the deck that will win you the most times. Yeah, yeah, totally. Whereas Commander, you can pull from your entire collection, pretty much, mm. and have some fun with it. Yeah, the deck-building aspect is a ton of fun. And then the game themselves uh, are, all, are competitive to a degree. Of course, mm. everyone wants to win. Oh, yeah. yeah. But it has a certain balancing mechanic in that if you start to fall behind then everyone has at least two other opponents that they got to focus on before they finish you off. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless you're playing a, a particularly uh, competitive or cruel match where someone wants you gone. Uh, but that doesn't tend to be the case. It really is, well, you're in the strongest position, so now I'm going to have to hit you. And it trades around naturally. And I think that makes for a format where everyone gets to have fun and tries to actually Play the game. Yeah, it's funny. It's like it, while it's not a cooperative format, it lends itself well to players that are in a cooperative spirit. Yeah, uh, and just looking to see how the decks play, how they play against each other, and in fact, you know, it, it's 
favorable to keep other people in the game mm-hmm. uh, rather than just knock them out and have the fastest run possible game that you can have. Yeah. And because it means you'll get to expose more of your deck, you'll get to work through deeper into your deck, and you'll be able to see what your own deck does, yeah. Yeah. Um, which sometimes you don't get to see if a game happens too rapidly. The decks are also so big that you can play a commander deck a hundred times and see a new hand to kick it off with every time, you know? Mm -hmm. There's no way that you'll be certain as to what you're going to draw next, uh, unless, of course, you're playing some tutors. But uh, (laughs) there's cards I put in my deck weeks ago, uh, you know, you still haven't seen them yet. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) One of these times, they're going to play. Exactly, and it will be huge. Yeah, having the chance to finally lay down that combo you've set up for a long time is a lot of fun, for sure, in Commander. And so, yeah, I think that it, it lends itself more towards our community and the way that we play. Uh, it, it sits well on the table for us. So that means that Baldur's Gate has been a big win, for sure. <laughs> so um, let's talk a little bit about uh, the Comic Club title that we're running right now. Um, our, our Comic Club at the Freakopolis Geekery is currently reading... Department of Truth. Department of Truth. One, yeah. From Image Comics. Yeah. Um, volume one, which covers, I think, the first five or six issues. Or six, yeah, yeah, something like that. It's a cool book. It is. It made waves, for sure. And you can see why in the first few pages. That art style is striking. Yep, and this is a sort of a... a and I kind of... The concept is sort of neat and kind of uh, a very timely. Mm-hmm. Um, has a lot to do with conspiracy theories. It's just a very interesting concept where... Pretty much for this guy, for this detective, kind of a an X Files sort of detective. Uh, it's it's pretty much all the conspiracy theories <laughs> are true. Yes, <laughs> he uncovers them to be true. Yeah, yeah, or at least the power of belief in conspiracy theories causes them to be true. Yeah, which is an interesting rule for that world for sure. Mm-hmm. You know what I noted though, beyond the art was, as I was reading through it, at least the first issue or so, I'm still working my way for the uh, upcoming comic book club uh, meetup, but, you know, like, Stephen King has this way of inviting you to places you've never been, but are familiar with, some very Americana-type stuff. Like, he won't describe just, like, shuffling past some items in a cupboard. It has to be a bunch of tennis rackets and, and tubes filled with tennis balls and stuff. And he just has a way of making you know these places and be fam- very familiar with them. And in the beginning, towards the beginning of uh, the Department of Truth, anyway, our detective, our main protagonist, is making his way towards a Flat Earth Society meeting. Uh, And the narrative in the bubbles essentially says that uh, he hadn't seen so many polo shirts in his life, and they stood around making Family Guy references and that kind of stuff. (laughs) And it really was like, suddenly I can picture these types of people, you know? Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm familiar. Even though I haven't really met anyone like that, I'm familiar with the archetype that they're talking about and referring to. And that really pulled me in from there on out. It feels like something you could sink your teeth into and really place your feet into, you know? (laughs) Well, I'm looking forward to it. I'm not finished with the book yet. I'm looking forward to finishing it. And I'm looking forward to discussing it in our comic book club. Totally. Which happens on our Discord, by the way. Yes. So part of what we're trying to do um, each 
each podcast, we'd like to try and help make people's D&D games just a little bit better. Uh, we've got a lot of experience under our belts for D&D, mm-hmm. and Ian is bringing some tips to the table, which we'll have a brief discussion about. So, Ian, what a, what a, what's a, this week's tip? I think this week's tip is, of course, aiming more towards the player end of things. DMs, tune in only if you want to, because... Players, you've got to know your character. (laughs) It might seem obvious, but you'd be surprised by the amount of players who do not know what a Guiding Bolt does, even though it's been sitting on their spell list for five sessions straight. (laughs) (laughs) And it's their own key ability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Or what, what exactly? How many health points do I have in my lay on hands? It's like, you should know this, my friend. And the point being... That it's okay to ask those questions. Of course, a friendly group and a knowledgeable group will be more than willing to give you a hand with that kind of stuff. But the burden of the DM to bring the story, to bring the narrative, the characters, the mechanics, the encounters, the descriptions, and is a hundred times more than the player just having to show up and sit at the table. So the least you could do is make it easy on them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, ideally knowing your own character's capabilities will also make you more successful. In the strategy end of things, yeah. yeah. If, if, you, if you don't know about your own abilities, how can you possibly use them effectively? Mm-hmm. It also lends to role-playing your character correctly. You have to know, yeah, what you're capable of and what your limitations are, too. Yeah, absolutely. And knowing that about your character without having to ask these questions, even if they could be remedied in five seconds or less, you know, with a a knowledgeable group, means that you save everyone time and keep everyone immersed in the story that's going on. Uh, And I think that keeping that immersion and keeping the the flow of the game going is super important to a, a good session. Yeah, totally. And, you know, everyone has questions eventually. Sometimes people want to upcast a spell in my Wednesday night campaign, and we have to look it up. It's like, can that spell be upcasted? I'm not entirely sure. Those types of pauses are totally fair just to keep things mechanically in the realm of fairness. Mm-hmm. However, <laughs> to not know at all what a spell does. It's like, oh, this one looks cool. Um, <laughs> you really should maybe do just five minutes of studying up on your spell list. And it tends to be spell lists where this becomes the problem. And I understand if you don't have access to a player's handbook, uh, then that that can be a little bit of an issue. But in those moments when you do, uh, transfer over a quick summary of what your spells can do. (laughs) Yeah, or sort of another tip here, even if you don't know your character, when it's not your turn, you should be planning your next move. And if you have any questions, try and answer them yourself. Either... Either look them up, look up what the spell does online, or flip mm-hmm. through your book. Do all that sort of things proactively. Yes. So that when it comes to your turn, you're not sitting there and asking questions. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. When it comes to your turn, that is not the moment to sit there and go, hmm, what should I do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that about does it for this one. If you liked hanging with us, please subscribe through your favorite podcast directory. Join our Discord and check out our shop, The Freakopolis Geekery. See you next time.